Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Come on in. Today we're going to continue in our study in the book of Corinthians, and we're recording this again, especially for those that got snowed in and couldn't get out, so they can catch up and be a part of this, and uh, also to review this. You might even want to share this recording online. It'll be posted through our Facebook page and YouTube channel. And you can be, share this as well today. We're looking at the book of Corinthians. We're all out of the way up to chapter 4, if you want to pull out your Bibles and make sure I'm not misquoting it and that you know exactly what it's all about as well. Chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. That's page 936 in your Bibles. Well, it is in mine. I don't know what it is in yours. I'm going to... Uh, get into a message today, and we're, a lot of this might sound familiar to you, but I want to begin with a warning, all right? This message is going to be very hard for you to understand, and even so because you'll think you understand it when you don't, <laughs> and that's the trickiest part of all, and I really want you to listen carefully and to, to listen attentively and hear what God is speaking today. There are certain stages in our life when we're growing up where we can digest and comprehend things, and there are some things that later on that we go, oh, I get it now. You didn't get it earlier in your life, and this is one of those things. We're going to be looking at a turning point in the life of every Christian when they suddenly wake up and realize, oh, I didn't understand that. My task is to help you to grow in maturity to comprehend what is this walk with Jesus Christ is all about. That's one of the jobs of a pastor to teach and admonish you with the word of God. And that's what Paul's doing in the book of Corinthians here. They thought they were very spiritually mature and advanced and everything. And he, we learned last time I shared that they were just kids. They were barely babies and weren't comprehending, even though they thought they knew so much. They were just barely starting out. And today we're going to look at what kept them from understanding and maybe what is keeping us from understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We go through various stages of development in our life, um, both as human beings, as Christians. And uh, I just got back from the Oregon coast a couple of weeks back where Sandra and I gathered with our family. And we got them all together in a beach house and all the babies were there and the the moms and the dads and the grandparents they were there together. And I can't, you ever get to a family gathering and you, if you're an older person like me or like Al, do you, <laughs> Al's now the measurement of old, okay, and <laughs> 90. So I'm still young, right? <laughs> so that's great. But when you gather with your family, you realize you're the oldest person in the room. That's, and then you start feeling it. But I can't help but chuckle a lot. I, I chuckle at my kids trying to manage their kids now. It, it's so fun to watch. 
because it's not your thing anymore, it's their thing. They now have to deal with that. And to watch my grandchildren as they're learning amazing things, like uh, my little Holly just learned to roll. And there was a picture of her just after roll. She looked like she just discovered the greatest thing in the world. She's up and rolling and wow. And my, uh, my other little granddaughter is just learning to walk. And it's amazing to watch her walk. And my grandson, for the first time, saw the ocean. He couldn't get his head around an ocean. It was huge. He'd been to a hotel, a motel with uh, Grandma and Grandpa when Holly was born. And uh, he loved going to the pool and learning to swim. And uh, that's his idea of an ocean before he saw it. He asked me, when does the ocean open? <laughs> At 8 o'clock? <laughs> so it's always open. When does it close? It never closes. It's huge. So, oh, this is just amazing. It's fun to watch kids grow up, isn't it? It's even more fun watching my kids deal with my grandchildren. My, my grandson is learning... Um, Grade one math. Oh, my goodness. Learning to add and subtract with the new math, they have to draw charts and graphs in grade one and figure out and explain how they came to the answer. What's even more fun is watching my son trying to explain it to my grandson. That is because his patience is <laughs> not very long. And I remember what it's like. It's fun to watch... Uh, Little babies learning to uh, digest their milk, even more fun watching my children wiping off the spit up on their shoulders and everything else that they go through. Life is a journey of growing and changes that we go through in our life. And it's the same as a Christian. You go through changes too. You grow up in your understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It all begins with John chapter 3 where we're born again into the kingdom of God when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, and we're born again in our spirit. And for the first time, we begin to understand spiritual things we could have never comprehended before with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we think that is so exciting. And we begin to grow and understand things. We're barely walking, barely under, keeping our balance through this world that wants to knock us over. We begin to understand uh, revelations that God gives us and grow in our maturity in Jesus Christ. It's a good analogy to think about a baby growing up and what it's like because uh, in Christ, as we mature as believers, we begin to struggle with some of the basic problems in our heart and our attitude, just like children do. And there is one major issue that every child has to deal with and every Christian when they're born again has to eventually get to one major issue that is the turning point in their Christian walk. And I've, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a pastor for a long time. And even in my own struggle, I have discovered this is the key turning point in our lives. And what I'm about to share with you, this one major issue will offend some of you. And... It should offend us because that's how we're going to grow in Christ. Some of you will hear what this major issue is. I'm about to tell you it. And you will think once you hear it, oh, I, I've got that nailed. I understand what that is. And you have yet to understand what it's all about. So don't jump to conclusion. when you Are you ready to hear what it is? <laughs> the one major issue in our lives. Okay, here it is. You are not the center of the universe. Now you think you know what that means. 
But as we get into this, we'll find out you may not know what that means. You know what it means to be the center of the universe, but what does it mean not to be the center of the universe? This new life in Christ, this being born again in John chapter 3, it's not about you. Jesus Christ is now the center of your universe when you become a Christian. Your maturity depends on making the shift from being served by Christ to serving Christ. Yeah, you heard those words, but I don't know if you understand what that means. Making the shift by being served by Christ to serving Christ is the major turning point in every Christian's life. Being served by Jesus is for little spiritual children, but serving Christ is for the mature in the Lord. And before you tune out and you think you understand what I'm just saying to you, stay with me, consider, and if I'm fortunate, I might just offend you today as I drive this point home. And what offends you will uh, reveal uh, the immaturity in your heart, or maybe it'll reveal the maturity that you really have. And consider what you talk about every day as well, and what's on your mouth, and what's on your tongue, and what you discuss with others, and what you share with your friends. And it too will reveal whether you're focused on Jesus Christ, or whether you're focused on you. And that's the turning point. So let's go to the Word of God. We're going to go in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to work through uh, the whole chapter. So I'm going to read this fairly fast, so try to keep up with it. Keep your finger in there. Here it goes. Let a man regard us in this manner, Paul says, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. But to me, it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even examine myself, for I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted. But the one who examines me is the Lord. Therefore, don't go on passing judgment before the time, but wait till the Lord comes, who will bring both to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts. Then each man's praise will come to him from God. I, I, I take on these chapters and I think, just that one passage, that's a week sermons right there, but I'm going to go fairly through focusing on one aspect of this. To be mature in Jesus Christ spiritually is to be a servant of Christ. That's what he's saying. Let a man regard us in this, master, in this matter as servants of Christ. Isn't that what he says? The moment when you move from being served to serving, you are stepping into maturity. That's what it really comes down to. We used to call that, when I was growing up, sanctified, set aside for the purposes of God. And how does that occur? When you start serving in your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's when you gain your balance and you realize your place in the kingdom of God and the purpose of God for you. 
Jesus Christ will never really be your Lord until you start serving him. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're just always receiving, you're not in a lordship position with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you start serving him, he becomes your Lord. He may be your savior. He might save you from sin and from judgment to come, but only those who serve him and at his pleasure as king knows what it is to be mature. Being a servant or a steward is not just a title. I am a servant of the Lord. It is an attitude that you carry within you. You notice in this section that Paul talks about, uh, I'm not a very small thing to be examined by you, a human court. I don't even examine himself. Let me boil that down, what that means in service. Service is about serving at someone's pleasure. So you, it's not everyone. I was talking to our head usher, Reg, and uh, talking about the ministry of ushering, and he's got a wonderful ministry going there, and that's a great place to serve. But not everyone knows how to serve well. And what it means to serve well is to know the person that you are serving and what it is that they really want, to anticipate what they desire. If you can do that in any business, you'll be a success, right? Don't you want to come into Tim Hortons and they yell out your name and they know you like a double-double and what your favorite donut is, right? You want to be treated like you're special, they understand you, they anticipate your needs, and they know just how, who you are and how to serve you well. When you serve Jesus Christ, you aren't worried about what other people think. You aren't worried about what the courts will allow and not allow. You won't worry even about what you think about yourself. What you're concerned about is what Christ wants and how you can Please him today. What is it that he would desire? What could I do for the Lord that he would really desire and appreciate? This shift in our attitude moves us beyond ourselves, beyond pleasing other people, and into a preoccupation to what pleases God today. What could I do for him? And what does he want? The one who examines me is the Lord, the scripture says. I, I want, when he looks on me, for him to be pleased with my service to him. It is this attitude that makes you a good servant. It's not always about how skillful you are or how wise you are, or what degrees you have or anything else. It's more that attitude, that tenderness to the serving of Christ. And that's how you can tell a mature Christian. When we were our children, we liked to uh, go to our grandfathers, as my grandkids are doing, and they like to show their grandfathers what they've accumulated. And my grandson, at age six, is in grade one, and he is starting to lose his teeth. And he's getting a dollar a tooth. I don't know if that's a good rate anymore. It's U.S. dollars, so it's a good rate. He's lost one or two, and he's you know, proudly smiled at me with his toothless grin. Says, I already have $2, Grandpa. He thought he was very wealthy, and he was uh, counting his teeth, figuring out how much he could accumulate. 
He's even uh, brave enough to pull them out as soon as he can because he wants to accumulate. You know, look at what I've got here. I I've, uh, gave him a little treasure chest about a year ago from my, my father, his great-grandfather, through me, and we gave him this little treasure chest, and in it were coins we've collected and passed down. You know, the American silver dollar and those things. But there are also some coins that my... My kids looked up and said, that's worth a bit of money. But you know, to Henry, it isn't. To, to my little son, he's accumulating uh, playing cards, you know, like you used to play to hockey cards at Tim Hortons and other things like that. And that's what's important to him. But when we're growing up, you ever notice it's what you accumulate and what you can show that's important. You know, some of us have never grown out of that stage. We're still talking about the things we've accumulated and what we have, and we present that to God, and that's what we want to talk about. But that's not maturity. That's immaturity, because it isn't about you or the things that you accumulate in your life. The spiritually immature are the same, and I've been spiritually immature for a good part of my life. I could boast of many things. We can boast about how many hours a day do you pray? How often do you read your Bible? And uh, how many people have you led to the Lord this week? We could boast about these things. But all of that is spiritual immaturity. You could boast about degrees, which I've accumulated from colleges and universities. I often dread gathering with pastors at conferences. I really do. Because every conversation begins with, oh, where do you pastor? And the second question is, how many people attend your church? Which is accumulating numbers again which begs the spiritual immaturity of it all, right? By the way, if anyone's ever asked you, I play games with people that are spiritually immature this way, people ask me, well, how many people attend your church? I always say, about 10,000. <laughs> 10,000! Well, they don't come all on the same day <laughs> or even the same year. <laughs> but they come and go, you know, about, I'm guessing. It's all silly. We rank ourselves as pastors when we get together by the sizes of our congregations. And those that have very large congregations tend to hang out with those with very large congregations. The smaller a congregation, the further back in the row you have to sit. And uh, we get the guys with big congregations to stand up front and to preach and to share and tell us how we can get bigger congregations as well. And it's all rather immature, isn't it? Because it isn't about that. It's about, is Jesus Christ pleased with us? No matter whether we're prospering or not prospering, whether we're succeeding in the world's eyes, that's what the word, Paul says, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what you say. What I'm concerned about is Christ pleased. Just as a side note, some of you uh, think you are not proud, but you think you are humble and of what you have and you don't have in your life. But I, I want you to know humility and not being proud like us sinful preachers can be a tricky thing to achieve. Even when you think you're humble, you might not be humble. Did you know that? You may think of yourself as one who is always being judged by others. Do you ever think of yourself that way? They're so judgmental. Why are they so immature? 
And uh, you might be always be upset that no one recognizes how brilliant you are, how spiritual you are. No one recognizes how unique you are and what you can do in the kingdom. You might often feel like you, you just don't have what it takes sometimes. You might be the one who beats yourself up and says, oh, what can I do? There, I don't know anything. and no, Why should anyone pay attention to me? You might not think you're smart enough or spiritual enough or important enough to be chosen for service or used by God. I want you to know this. That's not humility. That's you thinking about yourself. That's what that is. And that is the very definition of immaturity in the Christian walk. Christian maturity is thinking about Jesus Christ, not about you. I said at the very beginning, and I said you might not understand it, but it's this. It's not about you, whether you're equipped or not equipped, whether you think you're great or whether you think you're small. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ and serving the Lord. This is why we need to be very careful in our attitudes in our service to Christ. We need to be very careful about judging others by standards or judging ourselves by standards of others. Both are an absolute mistake. There's only one attitude or personality that we want to please, and it is Jesus Christ himself. Paul shows us far more mature attitude than in Jesus Christ because his life was centered uh, on the life of pleasing uh, Jesus Christ, who is on the throne of his heart and is king of kings. The only examination that matters is what the Lord does in our lives through the Holy Spirit. If we're not aware of it, right now in this place, he's doing his work. Even as people listen to this message, God is doing his work. As we're challenged with this idea, am I really serving the Lord, or am I doing something for myself? Spiritual maturity is measured not by achievements or by failures. It is measured by, are you ready for it? Motive. Motive. Those who are mature serve, but excellence in service is achieved not in hopes of personal gain, but in love and devotion to the one you serve. Does that make sense? Any mothers here? No mothers here? <laughs> I'm sure there would be one. Oh, there's one. There's two. Do mothers get up in the morning, especially with young kids like my daughter is dealing, my daughter-in-law, and say, I wonder what I can get out of my kids today. If I serve them, will I get something that I need out of my kids? So the answer is no. <laughs> they're takers. They're not givers, right? Right? How much will children take from you? As much as you can give. Uh, now, yeah, then some. I'm a grandfather, and I love to spoil my grandchildren because I know what problems that will cause down the road. And I, I just am gleeful about it. I got a chance uh, not long ago to spend some time with my grandson, and I would just about give him anything he would ever ask for. And I found out there's no end to what they will ask for once they found a soft touch like a grandpa. That is immaturity. But a mother doesn't get up and uh, serve kids for what he, she can get out. She gets up and serves because she loves her kids. 
Is there anything a mother wouldn't do for their children that was good for them? We're uh, coming up on Remembrance Day tomorrow, and we're already doing that. And people do that when they sign up for service for the kingdom. We, during the call to World War I and World War II, and even in recent wars, the call has gone out to those to serve in the defense of our country and of other countries. And men and women have answered that call, including in my own family. And they do so, and they take an oath, and they do it in service, out of love for their country and for their families and for their homes to defend them. And they are willing to sacrifice their very lives for that cause. It's not to get something, not to be celebrated as a hero, but it's to serve that you serve well. It's in your attitude, in your motive, that you are find great service to the kingdom of God. A true servant is honored to be able to serve in any capacity and rejoices at any advance made in the kingdom of God because they are serving Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, and so you can know what it is that Jesus Christ wants, so you know how to serve him. It is clear in the scriptures, he wrote it down so you could read it, so that you wouldn't have any confusion about it. Jesus told us in Matthew 5 and many other places, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of and his, that's what he wants. He wants you to serve the kingdom of God. And he says, everything else you're worried about, don't worry about it. That will all be provided. When you sign up for military service, you don't have to always worry about well, your uniform or whether you'll get a gun or whether you should go buy one. The army provides it. <laughs> the point is, is you need to be concerned about signing up to serve. The Lord provides everything else you need because it's not about you. Are you getting it now? It's about the Lord and what he can do in your life. You understand now what it means to be spiritually mature in Jesus Christ, to be a servant, to be a steward of the gospel that we have received. Let's go down to verse 6 of chapter 4. Now, he says, these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and uh, Paulus for your sake so that you may learn not to exceed what is written. Learn not to exceed what is written so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? Why do you have that you, do not, that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already filled. You have become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish that you had become kings so that we might reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us, us apostles last of all, as men condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you, you are prudent in Christ. We are weak. But you, you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, 
We are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil, working with our hands. And when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. If we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. My dear friends, if the Corinthians were considered rich, you're filthy rich. If they were considered kings, you're emperors in comparison. If they were considered wise, then we are the great illumination of all time. If you consider their life compared to yours, nothing compares. You have central plumbing. You don't have to go to an outhouse. You have running clean water. You have central air. You can live in a cold, snowy environment and be comfortable. You have all of the clothes you need. You have food. You have a, a network of a government that will provide health care and catch you and give you free money. We have military, police. We have fire divisions ready at a moment's call. And if you don't know something, you just say, hey, Google. And suddenly, you know it. And if you don't know how to do it, you say, hey, YouTube. And you find out how to do something and how to fix it. And you know what to do. You have food in such large quantities, you don't know what to do. It's sitting on shelves waiting for you to buy. And you can buy it on credit, even. Compared to the Corinthians, you're filthy rich compared to them. You have refrigeration. You have freezers. You have so much. Corinthians thought they were rich in other ways as, as well. They had nailed, of all the people, the prosperity gospel long before it was a thing in our time. The reason for the great prosperity, they believed, was due to the belief that they were spiritually superior to others. They thought God was really blessing them. We are really mature spiritual Christians. They had gone deeper with God and knew spiritual power more than others would have ever discovered, and that's why they were ruling as kings. They had grown proud in their spiritual power, and they had gained as a result of their spiritual gifts that they were using in their fellowship, and they had grown also arrogant with that. I want to warn you, as Paul did in this passage, to be aware of spiritual pride, for it will lead you to destruction and to deception. Pride is the very root of evil that seeks to control you and it does it by inflating your ego and when your ego inflates it's about you and not about jesus christ right amen we through it we become arrogant and we look at what we have accomplished the bible warns us and it's right in that passage learn not to exceed what is written learn not to exceed what is written this is one of the great problems of our age and of Paul's age. 
and that we are interpreting and reinterpreting in Scripture all the time into deeper and greater truths so we can go deeper into God. I warn you now to be very wary of anyone who encourages you to go deeper into God. I have met too many who have been seduced into false teachings with this temptation of becoming deeper spiritual experience. And this is what they've been chasing and what results is pride and arrogance within themselves. The written word of God, that Bible you're holding in your hand that we're reading today, is the only real hope you have of not going beyond what is wise into foolish spiritualism. Because that's what Paul is dealing with in the Corinthian church, is a foolish spiritualism. Some may wonder why you should learn uh, methods like the inductive Bible study method, like precepts. And one of the major reasons for it is it's what's going to keep you out of a cult. Not to go beyond what is written. Because many people are doing that. Years ago, I, I read Walter Martin and went to Bible college in the 70s. I was a young high school student and I was fascinated by cults like uh, Baha'i. You ever hear of them? And the Moonies were really popular and and we were watching all these groups, not the old ones like Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. But as I read uh, Dr. Walter Martin and the Kingdom of the Cults, we have that book in our bookstore right out there. You can pick it up today. Uh, he basically said, anytime a group says the Bible and you're moving into a cult. It's on the Bible and the Bible alone. Not to go beyond what is written. If we could learn that, we could protect ourselves. And that's why that discipline of saying, not what do I think, not what did someone else say, but what is God actually saying, plainly, simply, and not to go beyond that, is what protects your walk, your heart, and makes you a good, mature servant of God. The written word of God is the only real hope you have, not to go down that foolish road. If you want to be closer to God... If you want to grow, then you serve him, and you serve him well with the right attitude. And our maturity as a Christian is not proven in what you've accumulated. Children will boast about it all the time, but it's about how you serve him and whether he's pleased. Service of Christ is about deepened by gaining things, but here's the word that you won't want to hear. Service is measured by sacrifice, not by gain. Maturity is measured by sacrifice. Since we are given every good thing from God as a free gift from God, we didn't earn it. You were just given these things. There is very little to boast about about a gift. The gift says more about the person who gave it to you than you who received it. It says you were loved. When we were asked to sacrifice what we are giving willingly and lovingly and without regret for the kingdom, that's considered maturity by God. Paul contrasts the Corinthians' growing richness with the sacrifice of the apostles. Did you see that in that passage? He says, look at all you have gained. You live so rich and well. And look at us apostles. We're living homeless. 
were disgraced and hated by the world. And they knew that in their service and their sacrifice that their God loved them. They did it for the love of God and not to gain anything at all. And when we serve the Lord, we serve the Lord sacrificially to him. It is the mark of maturity. Our service is to Jesus Christ. It's not to each other. And this is the other great thing that we're always missing. It's not to a needy world. It's not to other people because they deserve it. Our service is always, first and foremost, to Jesus Christ. We have a social gospel that has crept into the church, along with a prosperity gospel. But anything that's not just the gospel, anything that has a name before it, social gospel, prosperity gospel, anything that's added to it is not the gospel. There's just the gospel. That's all it should be. The gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's about him. The social gospel often tells us that we are to put the needs of others ahead of our own because they're deserving. But a servant of Jesus Christ puts the needs of Christ ahead of everything, whether anyone deserving or not. The truth of the word of God is that we are to serve Jesus Christ, first and last. Whoever you serve, that is your master. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whoever you serve, that's your master. If you serve the needy because they're needy, they are your master. If you serve money to accumulate it, it's your master. But if you serve Jesus Christ, who is he? He's your master. And you must choose, Christ warned us, who your master will be in your life. Wouldn't you rather serve Jesus Christ by seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness than any other master in your life? Jesus Christ calls us to salvation and devotion to him. We're to do his will, and that is well known in the scriptures. It's spelled out in black and white. There are some who think they can't know the will of God or the will of Jesus Christ in their life because they have not had a spiritual encounter with a glowing Christ in the sky or they haven't heard his voice ringing like thunder in the heavens. But all you have to do is open the Bible and his will is absolutely, unrevocably clear. I know exactly what God wants. How could you miss it? You're to love God with all your heart and with all your might. Are you confused on that? With everything you've got, the love of God. To serve Jesus Christ, to love Jesus Christ sacrificially calls upon you to surrender all that you have into his hand. I had a, an old elderly saint of mine in our last congregation, and this was his favorite expression, you can't outgive God. I've put him to the test on that, and I've tried it, and he's right so far. I have yet to outgive God. I have worked, and I've been generous, and I have given but when you're spiritually mature, you don't decide on what to give God. You go to God, and he says, this is what I want from you. And that's what you surrender. Do you like it to, going to a restaurant? You might do that after this service. You might sit down at a meal, and the waiter comes up to you and say, 
oh, so welcome to our restaurant, and I can tell by looking at you, what you want today is liver and onions. And uh, that's where we're going to serve you. I know you came for filet mignon, but that isn't what you really need. We're going to serve you liver and onions. I can tell that's what you really want and what you really need, and that's what you're getting today. Would you go back to that restaurant? Al would. <laughs> Secret to living the 90. Liver and onions. Al's luck, they'll serve you roasted beets, maybe, or something else. But when we're really served well, we want people to know what we want, or at least ask what we want before they start shoving it at us, right? And yet we treat Jesus Christ just that way, don't we? Hey, God, I think you'll really like this. You'll really love giving, letting me win the lottery so I can give you 10% of it back, you know? And that isn't love. That's not obedient service. That's not the right attitude. It's you've missed the boat altogether. To know God, to love God with all your heart and with all your mind. There's no confusion about what God wants. And the second thing he wants is that all people everywhere would be saved and to come to the kingdom of God. He doesn't want one person to perish or experience the judgment that is to come. He wants all people to hear the gospel and to be saved. That's what Christ gave his life for. Any confusion on that? Is it clear what the Lord wants? Let's go down to verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, <laughs> but to admonish you as my beloved children, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you to be imitators of the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some of you have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What do you desire? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Paul sees a problem at Corinth. They are acting like children, doing whatever they want and boasting in their independence. Chaos is the character of this church, not service. Have you ever met a child, now think about this, that stands defiant before you and dares you to change their will or to make them do something? You ever met a child like that? And it's a showdown, a contest of wills. You can't make me. And they can be uh, two feet tall and do that, right? And just be absolutely defiant. They may say things like, you can't make me, or you aren't the boss of me. Now imagine a whole church full of people like that. I, <laughs> it's fun being a preacher, I got to tell you. Because uh, most people I meet say, uh, well, what do you do for a living? I'm a preacher. Oh, well, you aren't going to 
persuade me. I'm not, you can't convince me. They just square off. They go into the two-year-old mode right off. You're not going to change my heart right off the bat. And this is a whole church. They were saved in the kingdom of God, and they have this attitude in them. They're all two-year-olds. You can't even think of a situation like that. It's almost unimaginable. Can you even imagine in your worst nightmares or conceive of a gathering of God's people who call themselves Christians, and yet they insist that they can do whatever they want and still be a Christian? Can you even imagine anyone commit any sin they want and still say, I'm a Christian? And believe that they can do whatever they want and no one can tell them what to do according to the word of God and they're still Christians. Can you even imagine a church like that? Oh, wait a minute. There are churches like that in our day, not far from us. Some of you are here because you came from churches like that. I don't want us to be a church like that. I don't want us to become arrogant and defiant. Some of us have left groups like that to join this fellowship of believers. The arrogant child-like behavior has symptoms of an unhealthy church, and we've got to be careful, just like in these early days of the church, that that doesn't creep into our midst. And there's only one way, only one way to ever protect ourselves from that immaturity, and that's to become mature in Christ, to become servants of Jesus Christ, and to seek his good pleasure to believe that the only words that really matter, the only judgment that will ever make a difference is found in Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. I uh, have a son in military service, and I was privileged to go to boot camp at his graduation. And one of the most remarkable things is to see a busload of teenagers get off a bus fresh out of high school and uh, with their long hair and everything else, which my son had long hair. He was a bit of a hippie. And then to go to boot camp after it was all done, they're graduating, they're all at attention, clean cut, marching in formation, running and fit and saying, yes, sir, no, sir, and very disciplined in every way. And so what just happened here? And it all began with them standing before a sergeant and taking an oath of service to put the king, to put their country and the service ahead of all other things. And because they swear that oath, they take orders of their superiors and they obey and they follow the commands. At boot camp, they learn the discipline of doing that, about putting the platoon ahead of yourself, to lay down your life for your fellow soldiers, and for the nation that you serve. When we as Christians do that, when we stand up and say, I too want to serve, and I do it unreservedly in my heart, that I would lay my life down for the kingdom, then you begin to mature. Amen? What they would ask is of those men to stand before, raise their hands, and to make an oath before God and before that assembly. It is a sacred moment when they did that and everything changes. Those kids finally mature and they become men and women in service of their nation. Today you could do the same. You could begin to mature. 
by leaving behind childish things and making that oath yourself. Not all at once, but as you choose. I wonder if there's anyone here today who would like to make that journey, that second step in your Christian walk, not just to be saved, but to enter into service. That you would stand and say, I today make that oath to Jesus Christ, that it's no longer about me, it's about Jesus. And what he wants, how he chooses to use me, I will do. And I hold nothing back. When he calls me to service, I will go. And I will do what he commands. If he's calling you to do that right now, and you want to be that person, I want to be that servant, I'm going to ask you to stand, even if no one else is standing, and say, I choose that. Who here today will stand? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray and make this oath. Almighty God, standing before you are your servants. Today they choose, boldly before you today and with the host of heaven, before this assembly, that their lives will no longer be about them, but about you. They're signing up for service in the kingdom of God to lay down their lives for your kingdom and in service to you, to seek your good and pleasing will, to live their lives at your pleasure and at no one else's. Lord, I thank you for this commitment that they're making this morning and for the maturity that they're showing in you. Our hope lies in such people, Lord. Our very communities and our nation lies in such people. For we need the mature amongst us that would walk as sacred servants, as stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to see thy kingdom come and thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, guard them, protect them, equip them, give them all they need in their service, and they, they move in the power of Almighty God to accomplish all that you have intended for them to do. And Lord, may many more come into the kingdom. May we make many more spiritual births in Jesus Christ. And may they too grow up into a great number until you return in your glory. We pray this in your holy name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. God bless you. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.